the lights down Hand over my crown Hand over my heart I do this for my town I do this for my crowd So turn me up real loud My time, my time None of you people can tell me to stop Hello, everybody. Welcome to uh, today's episode of MGR Unplugged. I'm un unusually uh, happy today. I'm not sure why, because nothing has changed. We get just keep going day after day of this uh, confinement and uh, hoping that the following week we'll be talking about, oh, we're free to go, but we're not. It's good you're feeling happy because <laughs> I'm feeling a little cynical today. So maybe we'll balance each other cynical. out. Cynical. Yes. Okay. How about your hair? Are you going to be able well, to that's uh, another reason take I'm your hat off anytime? <laughs> I'm just going hats only. I, I was going to go no hat, and I tried, and I said this doesn't I have work. a confession to make. I actually cut my own hair. Yes, but <laughs> you can use... That's the thing. Here's my situation. I know it's a tragic situation. I'm suffering greatly compared to most people, but uh, I let my hair grow a little longer this last time uh, after my last haircut, and it was kind of like, okay, time to get a haircut. And I was going to get one about a week before the quarantine began. And, you know, typical thing, I kind of procrastinated. I was like, oh, I don't really feel like going getting a haircut. And then the quarantine happened, and that was over a month ago. So now my hair is just completely out of control. Well, we have, you know, clippers and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, but I don't want to use, I don't use clippers. I use scissors. That's the uh, thing. Well, just... I, I don't have confidence. The good news to, uh, is that if you mess it up, yes, you can't go out anyway. Here's the thing. I, and secondly, there's always hats. That's yeah. what I was gonna say. I was like, well, I can try the scissors. If I mess up really bad, the only appearances I make in the world are on this podcast, really. <laughs> so I don't go out, obviously. So I can just wear a hat, and no one will notice. Or maybe plus, you guys can just laugh at me. Plus, I really don't really care much about my hair looks or anything. So it's just uh, what it is. So, it's, anyways, it is it is uh, hat times for me, right? All now. right. Well, that's good. I see you are uh, endorsing a uh, Prince. Yes. Who is a Prince? Oh, that's a brand. Okay. All right. So, what's new with you, buddy? Uh, what's new? I mean, not much. We're kind of going through the same. Every week feels the same. It feels like uh, like weeks have. It feels like it's been at the same time. Okay, it feels like it's been like oh, we were just the world was just the same like a few days ago. But at the same time, it also feels like it's been. But well, you know, I was thinking the other day because you know how bored you are with lack of uh, social life and going out and meeting your friends in person when. One of the highlights of my day now is actually waiting at 2.30 or something uh, Pacific time to watch the press conference with President Trump telling us how good Yeah, you like is. watching that. I don't watch that. I've been that. watching that for like, well, you know, I started last week actually. Like, um, I don't know. I, I've, I've seen like maybe four or five of those. I don't really watch them. I just listen to them, but they are live and... But it's actually good entertainment, to be honest. Um, he starts with his own speech, just did giving you, us the state of the... Did you see someone asked him if he would pardon Joe Exotic? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I know, yeah. Is this what matters right now? <laughs> I know. Is this the questions we need I, to be asking? It's true, because I didn't even know who the heck was the guy, the guy was, uh, Joe Exotic from the uh, Tiger, what is it? Tiger, Tiger King. Tiger King, yeah, which is, I just watched an episode, two episodes, actually. Uh, but anyways, yeah. I watched it. That's the highlight of my, Overrated. Of my day. I start watching uh, these conferences and Trump starts explaining, you know, how many masks and respirators and ventilators and we're doing this and that and all that stuff. And then, but the Q&A with the press 
is really, really eye-opening for me. It's, it's really better than a reality show because you have the press that asks the formal questions, and especially some foreign press people are just very formal. We have this, when you expect this, that. But then you have the, um, the CNN guys that hate Trump, of course, and they ask these questions, and Trump gets all defensive, like, now why are you ask me that question? That's a stupid, snarky question, blah, blah, blah. And then he just gets back and forth. And uh, next, you should be ashamed of yourself. You'll never make it. You'll never make it. <laughs> it's really... This is for a professional journalist that is sitting there and he's just telling them, you'll never make it. I'm like, well, I, I mean, mean, I about fell it, out of it my seems chair. Like, it seems like he already made it. He's there. Last <laughs> last week when he made the model. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, a, that was something, yeah. Comments. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen it, just look it up. It's... I about fell out of my chair. I couldn't believe he said that in a pandemic press conference. Yeah, he was talking. Well, you need to say a little bit of what he said. Uh, Basically, he he said something along the lines. You know, they're talking about the the models for the. I'm sure most people have seen the it. The curves. It went, it went viral. Basically, he's talking the, about the models for the pandemic, and he said something along the lines of, "Yo, I didn't make these models. My experts made these models. I had nothing to do with these models." At least not these types of models or something like yeah. that. And it was like, okay. But he was also... Did you need to make that the, comment? The thing is that he, when he said that, he was also kind of using his hand like, you know, they have these models. And yeah, I know. <laughs> All that stuff. And then you have all these people kind of stepping out of the frame of the camera saying, I have nothing to do with that comment. Well, <laughs> Pence was right behind him. I and I, I, I remember I watched the clip and I was like, okay, please. I, wa- I watched Pence's face the whole time and... He didn't budge. I was actually impressed. He literally no, just stood stone, face, yeah. stone cold, just didn't even react, the, blink. The one that I love is uh, Dr. Fauci, uh, the expert. Um, sometimes, you know, not so much now because... Well, they, did you see he, when he started cracking up the other day? Well, he has... The, I think the, there's a camera dedicated to just his cutaway where he has his face because every time Trump is saying something, especially when he says something about... Like when he said that we'll be out of this by by the April fifteenth by Easter, which by the way is this Sunday, and uh, all these kind of uh, optimistic outcomes, Doctor Fauci goes like you can see him like like he's just not looking at saying what did, what oh shit I need to and then that, he goes back that Fauci started laughing at behind him I forgot what he said that uh, was I forgot what he said Trump said something I think he called someone fake news. Or something like yeah, that. Yeah, well, he does that all the time. And yeah. Fauci just couldn't help but laugh. I'm telling you, you should watch these things one day. I'm okay. It's like I, I don't I don't need more politics it's like, in my life. <laughs> First of all, they're, they're supposed to be a two. They always show up late, which is kind of like reminds me of a doctor. But now doctors are here, so I don't want to say that. But uh, the the press conference is supposed to be at two p.m. Pacific, five p.m. Eastern, and then they're on YouTube, and it says, I don't know, the YouTube channel. It says. Uh, 157k people waiting. <laughs> like holy shit! <laughs> I was like, you're not waiting. You're, it's not one person waiting because the guy is late. It's like half of the country journalists, whatever, on YouTube are waiting for the first conference. So you start, and I don't even watch it. I'm just kind of listening on my uh, on my AirPods, and then all of a sudden I see, I hear this kind of machine gun of of flashes of cameras working, like. Pictures and I say, okay, he's coming in because that's what happens. Right. Everybody, you hear this sound effect of those these these automatic uh, shutters. So, uh, anyways, then he starts and he says, hey, good afternoon, thank you for coming, blah blah, beautiful day, tremendous progress, blah blah blah, all that stuff. And then you know the whole thing starts and then he 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 talks for usually I don't know twenty minutes, half an hour. They're actually complaining that they are too long. Sometimes they last like two hours. So Trump is there for about an hour. Then he takes some questions, and then he steps away, and then 
Vice President Pence and the the. I mean, what do they talk about for two hours a day? I mean, is there not much well, new most stuff of, that most happens? Well, most of it is Q and A. What happens is that he he gives an update, and sometimes the update is not necessarily coronavirus. It could be you know talking about the oil crisis or something. I mean, it's just like a quick thing, and then um, and then it's a Q and A. Q and A is what takes the most time because that's when everybody has a lot of questions, and there's a question in what he had just said which may or may not be true or half true or whatever. And then he steps away and then Pence, Vice President Pence and the team, like Dr. Fauci, Dr. Birx, and uh, the head of uh, the CDC, whatever, they have different people there. Then they also take questions and stuff and then they end the conference. So what happens, and now there's a controversy because um, CNN and some of the networks stay there only for the first half of the conference when when President Trump is talking. And then once the Q&A with him is gone or is over and he steps away, they never stayed for the second half when Dr. Fauci and Dr. Birx and all these are talking. So now Vice President Pence has actually banned Dr. Fauci and Dr. Birx from going to CNN because CNN likes to have those doctors on their own. They don't like to have them when they are in the official press conference because they are very like they want to ask him questions separately without this kind of shield of the uh, task force or something. So, so now Vice President Pence says he, that he's banning them, or CNN said that they're ba- being banned from going to their shows because they're having as political as, as experts, you know, one on one. And they don't want to say that. They say, okay, you guys want them. Why don't you listen to the press conference? That's what they are for. But the press conference is live, and CNN wants to cut away from it and to go to other news or something. So. Anyways, it's really, uh, I actually, I'm entertained when I listen to those things, to be honest. It's, it's uh, like, especially yeah, when... Yeah, but do you want to be entertained? Well, I mean, it I want to sh- be informed. It shouldn't be entertaining. No, no, no. That's I mean, obviously, no, it's informing. But at the same time, but, but the main reason why I started with that is mostly because you you see all these headlines. I mean, I listened to a couple of them, you know, in the beginning a few weeks ago when he first started doing them, just because I wanted to see what was up. But I mean, I don't need to listen for two hours every day. No, no, it's not. I mean, because I can not, just read a recap later in five well, minutes. Well, but that's the problem that I was I was looking at the recaps on the headlines, and and it's funny because I listen, I, I watch up. You know, it, it doesn't matter. I'm not being biased about CNN or CNBC or Yahoo or or even Washington Post, New York Times, whatever. But they extract this headline that is obviously clickbaity because they want people to click on it, and. You know, whether it's the president or the doctor or something, they say one thing and then they qualify it with a whole long explanation of what is they're talking about. But then they extract the headline that is not necessarily what they'd say, but they yeah, I know they cut Everybody it out. Everybody does that, you know, I know. exactly. But uh, that's just the thing. Get that, better news sources, right? But that's what it started because Trump said honestly. Some, somebody asked Trump, you know, who's been the most reliable news source through all of this for me? Just Twitter. I just go uh, on Twitter and not, people. I just even, nah. I, I mean, I'm tired of Twitter myself. But Twitter I mean, was ahead of the curve. Twitter was talking about this months before the media. No, 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 was. not talking. No, I'm not saying talking he, about. I just go and I can see because I follow specific accounts that all they do is talk, just tweet news, and uh, they just tweet bullet points of like, okay, here are the bullet points. There's no bias, no nothing. They just say here are the yeah, bullet well, points. Yeah, but there's bias on Twitter. I mean, I, I depends. I'm not on saying there's follow. not bias on Twitter. I'm saying you have to find the non-biased yeah, sources. Yeah, but you, you also select who you want to listen to. So I mean, I, I started doing a lot of Twitter too, and um, and then I realized, okay, it's the same people that are pro, the same people that are against this. Trump is there making his own com- uh, comments and tweets, and then you have all these people that hate him, all these people that love him. And it's, it's, it's not different. It's another outlet. I mean, you have all kinds of things. But I Yeah, but on eat- Twitter, you can choose who you follow. 
That's what yeah, I much time when people say, "Oh, I hate Twitter." I'm like, "Well, then I don't hate it." That it's yeah, but a lot source. of people do say that, right? You hear that no, a that's lot. That's fine. Fuck them. You know, if, if people hate Instagram, but it's like, Twitter, Facebook, it's like Twitter is what you make of it. So if you hate Twitter, it's because you hate the people you follow. Just follow different people. Right. I don't really understand. Yeah. That. No, it's I'm not. It's not a matter of hating. It's just that that, like you said, you follow some people that are always. Most of them like a certain. You, you see where they are. You know, as far as. But yeah, that's of course. Why I, I, do. I follow people of all beliefs whether i agree with them or not because i like to see what people are thinking even but if I, I disagree with them i like but, to see but that's what why thinking. i wanted to have the original source to now be able to say that's fine i just don't want to spend two hours no listening. obviously you don't have to but a few people do but that's the thing that tells you and on the other day actually speaking of twitter i actually read a comment saying um that you can't rely like obviously you have one extreme is fox the other extreme is msnbc and then, then you have CNN, who basically is very well known that they hate each other, Trump and CNN. And, and then, you know, there's not really a source of news where you can find some kind of neutral thing that says, this is what XYZ said. You make up your own mind on how to interpret it. You know, they actually interpret the news for you, and and that's why I wanted to. That's why I started listening to the press conference because I was tired of listening to. I see no, one. I mean, obviously, second, I see one headline on Fox, and it's like, okay, yeah, I know Fox and all that stuff, and then I see MSNBC and Rachel Maddow something is saying completely the opposite and making fun of this and that, and then I see another one. It's like, wait a minute, this is the same headline or similar topic, and they're all thinking different things. So. So I started watching the uh, the conferences for that reason to see how it was said, what it was said, and other stuff. And then now when I see those headlines, I can see, hmm, that's not exactly what he said, or that's what he said, but you just extracted the other part or things like that. No, you know? obviously, that's th there's a bigger problem of media bias than ever right now. I mean, even like the two that I used to like that I used to go to, especially more financially related, that I considered much less biased. Uh, was Bloomberg and the Wall Street Journal. But the problem is that Bloomberg is very, very pro-China because they have a lot of business in China. And he's biased too, obviously. So they don't talk anything bad about China. So mm -hmm. I don't trust Bloomberg on any article that relates to China. And then even on a lot of the stuff, you know, Bloomberg is anti-Trump. Bloomberg, Michael Bloomberg, I should say. Right. So they started being very anti-Trump. And that's fine. I mean, listen, Trump has done a lot of screwed up things as related to the coronavirus um but so bloomberg it, it depends i mean I, I like bloomberg for certain things they're less biased than most but they still have their biases um and the other one was the wall street journal but even the journal now is like so like yeah they're talking about you know it's like the market went up like a few percent last week and they're like it's a bull market rally the bear market's over it's like guys well, I know. Whose agenda are you going by right now? Because right. you're clearly trying to pump the markets. Like, what are we doing here? And, and it's the so, same thing. unfortunately, those are the two that I used to like that were pretty unbiased. They still have their biases. Like, Wall Street Journal typically has been a little more right-leaning and Bloomberg a little left-leaning, but they're pretty centrist for the most part. Mm -hmm. And now they both seem to also be getting their biases. That's the thing. I, I, back in the days, you had like the uh, that's why I'll PBS say, type news. To, to finish, I, that's why I just read everything of all sides and then kind of form my own opinions. So right. I will read very left views, very right views, but very that, middle views. Isn't that sad views. that... that I mean, you expect, and this is not just politics, it's everything. Like somebody has a press conference and they say X, Y, Z, and then just give me what he said. 
don't give me your interpretation or the headline or put an adjective that wasn't there. Um, you know, I mean, it's just like, it, it, it all, it's, it's, a, it's a deeper conversation because everything, all this media, whether it's the newspapers, which now they're online, obviously, or television channels or whatever, need viewers, need ratings, need advertising it's revenue. It's also a f- at fault of the viewers and the consumers of the content because they're going to make what people want and people like to be in their bubbles and like to be have that confirmation bias. So if I'm a staunch Republican, then I'm going to like watching Fox News because they're going to say all the things I agree with just in the same way. If I'm a super liberal, I'm going to watch MSNBC because they're going to say all the things I agree with. And people like being in their bubbles. People don't like hearing opinions that disagree with theirs. And yeah, so that's why true. these networks do that. If Because trust me, if people were saying, I'm not going to watch Fox News anymore. I'm not going to watch MSNBC anymore because they're too biased and their ratings started going down. They would change like that. But it's because it's the opposite. Where when Fox, Fox was the first one. Fox was the first one that said, we're going to go full right. And then MS, MS, MSNBC decided we're going to go full left. And But guess what? Those two started getting great ratings. And that's why they do it like that. And it's the same online with non... We're talking TV, but it happens with digital yeah, right, publishers right. too. They do it because at the end of the day, they're going to follow what the market says because they're businesses. And so it's the consumer that dictates their behavior. And the consumer is clearly telling them, hey, we like bias. So, so, but I understand before you had the news articles that relate what's happening in an unbiased form. And then you had the editorial articles written by um, authors or uh, commentary, whatever. Um, and they will have their opinion which may be biased, but it's editorial. It was separate. In fact, even the font and all that stuff in the newspapers was different. It was a column by the same guy or something. And then if you like the guy, you normally read the column. If you don't like him, then you have the counter opinion, which is the other guy on the opposite side. But now I, I just don't find a place where you say, like, you know, I have finance, Yahoo Finance or CNN or CNBC, I don't really know if we're better off now than yesterday or, or, or we're, I mean, you read a headline saying uh, Mnuchin says that the economy, we should be able to reopen the economy by May. And then the other article says um, Trump is crazy, thinking that uh, by the end of April, everything will be back to normal. And then Fauci is saying uh, there's not going to be a back to normal ever. It's like, okay, where yeah, are we? Well, I mean, and, and we're then, getting into a deeper thing. Is well, that, know, that I, is institutional trust. But, but the thing is that I, that's why I said that I, I listened to Fauci and he didn't say we're not going to go back to normal ever. Okay, he he actually said that in ter- in terms of um, what does that mean? Well, exactly, exactly. Like people, they struck that line which he sees, he said, and he didn't mean back to normal in terms of our normal lives. He meant back to normal in terms of research and pandemic prevention and things like that. Okay, so when you listen to him saying. No, we're gonna go. We're not gonna go back to normal ever. We're gonna have much more research, much more preparation, and we're gonna right. reinvent things. All that stuff, which was good, but when you extract a headline, people are like, "Oh fuck, I'm gonna be confined. I'm not gonna be able to go to restaurants. We're never gonna go to a stadium next to each other. No more handshakes. No more of this." They extract a line because people are gonna click on it. Clicking on it, excuse me, clicking on it means that when you show your your traffic reports and everything to advertisers, you say, okay, I have so many page views, right. click-through pages, average you know, pages, too, all the stuff is so fake. Yeah, but you know, the problem too, though, is that even with paid 
outlets like the ad the ad supported outlets it's been well known that they're just going to clickbait the hell out of everything because that's how they get their money but even paid outlets still often have strong biases even though they're not they don't make money through clicks they just get money through people renewing their subscriptions but like okay the new york times for example they obviously have a very left-leaning bias and they've kept it that way and they know their readership right there are not uh right-wingers subscribing to the new york times okay they know who their audience is and so even though they don't really i mean they do make money from ads but you know they're moving more and more towards subscriptions and they make a ton of money through subscriptions now uh online i'm saying they still haven't changed their bias at all, really. I mean, in fact, I think they've probably gotten even more biased over the past couple of years. Right. So it's not even just the ads that are at fault. But that's the other, but that's the other thing. You mentioned the New York Times. I was just listening to another podcast the other day with uh, um, Dan Crenshaw. He's a um, Republican um, congressman. So they were just talking about the New York Times headlines, which were actually documented when Trump actually closed travel from China. And that happened at the end of January. Okay, I think it was the, going from memory, I think it was the 29th, 30th, something like that, when Trump said, we're basically blocking travelers from China because that's when the coronavirus started happening and it was in Wuhan and all that stuff, and, and he did that. And everybody was blaming, I mean, I'm not defending Trump, but in this case, everybody was blaming Trump because he was when we just came out. He was in the middle of the impeachment, by the way. We just came out of the negotiations with China, the trade deal, and he's going back and forth. And the New York Times had this headline saying, is it necessary to close trade with China? As you said, they are very favorable and all that stuff. And it's like, so they were blaming him because he did that, which in turn turned out to be a great move because according to other numbers, whether you believe it or not, that actually made the effects of the coronavirus in the U.S. about 90%, 95% less, I think, that could have been if, I don't know, what 95% means, I don't know. Who came with 95%? Well, they said that the infection rate would have been higher much sooner, which it makes sense. I mean, if you block traveling from China from the Wuhan region, I mean, that's what happened actually in Italy and Iran because they have a specific delegations that were going back and forth. That's what those two countries were heavily hit right away because they have all these Chinese people going back and forth between those two countries. So, but regardless, the, the point is that the headlines say that and then the headline right after or a few weeks later is like, oh, Trump didn't act fast enough. And that's why we're in this situation right now, especially in New York and all that stuff. Okay, well, if he acted fast enough to close travel from China, which is the originating country for the coronavirus, and shortly after he did the same thing with the majority of European countries that were in trouble, except for the UK. And then like, I think two days later, he added the UK because the UK was adopting this herd immunity thing and they said, that's not going to work. So if he was erring on the side of on the side of being too cautious and blocking trade and, and blocking travelers and other stuff and people were blaming him for that then they're blaming him because he didn't act fast enough well that's one of the things that he did and the same newspaper is blaming him for both so you can't win you know so and this is not defending trump or anything it's just saying give me something you know it's like if i'm the newspaper and say is it necessary to uh, block all travel from china well i'm assuming that the president with all his advisors did it for a reason it turned out to be a good reason. Who knows what would have happened if we had travelers from China coming here from January freely and moving all over the country. I'm sure it would have been worse. Definitely no better or no different, you know, as far as being better. So if, if you said that, if you're a true journalist, you would have said, uh, in retrospect, it was probably a good move that he did that. 
forget your political affiliation. Just say, okay, well, that was good. Maybe it was a lucky strike. I don't know, but maybe but it was a good move. Don't criticize then the president again because well, I think because I, he was right. I'm, too not, late. I'm not disagreeing with you. I I think that, but I think that the problem is more deep seated than just politics. I don't think it's a left right thing because it there was no left right that made a difference as far as the reaction to this. It was a failure on both sides at all levels. Right-wing media was totally wrong. Left-wing media was totally wrong. There were plenty of left-wing outlets that were denying it too, just like Fox News was. There were Bill de Blasio, Nancy Pelosi, I mean, left people on the left who were denying it too, saying, hey, you should still go to Chinese New Year celebrations back in February, like, uh, just like people on the right. So this was not a left-right thing. I think it's an institutional problems right but that's why now everybody's so pointing this, fingers this solution of my Even, point is my point is, let me let me go yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have so much go. stuff to say my point is that this is not a solution of oh we need to have more liberal ideologies in place or more conservative ideologies in place it's a it's not left right. That's my problem. That everybody always tries to put things in left things. or right exactly. in these buckets. And, that's my and this is not a left or right problem. This is a uh, fragility problem. A uh, I mean, there's so many deep seated issues that this right. is right. causing to I come up agree. that are not a matter of Democrat or Republican. Right. That's exactly. my point. Yes, yes, I completely agree because. If you, it's easy that we now forget a timeline of events that were taking place at the same time. But you look at, uh, we had the trade deal with China was taking place all the way through the end of the year in December. And then <clears throat> we had the impeachment, which basically was in full force at the beginning of the year. Then we have the caucuses and the uh, democratic debates when we still have four, five, six candidates that were fighting for the nomination. And thus we're taking a lot of space too on the uh, TV networks and everything else. All that stuff is happening while... Trump is on his own and the administration, all that stuff. And then you have, you have the World Health Organization, the WHO, that we, WHO, basically saying, oh, no. Yeah, okay, you know, that was my next we, we, That's another, another organization who's supposed to take care of the World Health, well, that's the name, saying, we don't see this, the, the need to ban travel from China. That's almost like racist. Why are we doing that? That's discriminatory and all that stuff. And... And so even Trump went against the WHO in that case, or the WHO making that, and he was criticized by the WHO, which the U.S. is the biggest contributor, by the way, saying, why are you doing that? Because he's heavily biased towards Chinese um, government. And then now that they, they backtrack, say, oh, yeah, we, the whole thing was so... Did you see that interview that the Hong Kong press did? Yes, with the, one, he was pretending WHO that he couldn't guy. hear with Taiwan and all that. Yeah. yeah, like he didn't want to admit that Chi Taiwan was... Yes, him. yes. Uh, and I, go ahead and explain that for people that haven't listened to basically, it. Basically, there was this interview where it's this person from a Hong Kong media outlet... And they're interviewing. It was a it was a web, a, a webinar or a web com press conference or something. Yeah. yeah, it was a Skype call. Yeah, uh, but basically it was a Skype interview. And basically this person from one of the major, uh, it's like you know whatever the, Hong, the yeah. Hong Kong Times. I don't know exactly what it is, but like that type of thing um, in Hong Kong. And they were interviewing. Um, I believe the guy was the head of. Asia policy for the WHO, the WHO yes. something like that. I don't 100% remember exactly, but basically he's one of the higher ups of the WHO. And uh, the interviewer, she asked him 
something along the lines of, because they were talking about different countries' responses. Mm -hmm. And she says, and what do you think about Taiwan's response? Because for those who don't know, Taiwan was one of the earliest. They started acting in January, way before anybody else. Basically shut down the country. They're an island, so they just shut out everybody. They were to completely contain it. They didn't have an outbreak, and they were good. Um, and so he asked, she asked him, what did you think about the Taiwan, Taiwanese response? And then he just pretended like to not hear her. And then he hung up. Yes. And pretended like it was technical difficulties. And then she's like, what the fuck? And it looked so fake. It looked so fake. It was, it, it was, was like, like can I hear you? Sorry. Oh, yeah. disconnected. He hangs up. And then basically they call back. He answers. No, he didn't actually answer. No, no, he no. Said, he answers the call, I mean. Oh, okay. And then they get back on the interview. And so she basically says, sorry, like kind of like, okay, I know you hung up, but I'm going to ask you, ask a question you again. again. And she's like, sorry, I think we kind of got broken up. So, so uh, to kind of reiterate, like, what did you think about the Taiwan response? And he goes, well, I think all of China did a great job in responding to this because, you know, China doesn't recognize Taiwan. Yeah, China recognize. calls it Chinese Taipei. They don't call right. it Taiwan. They say right. it's our... And so he says, well, I think all of China did a good job. Um, and so that's basically my answer. And then he basically says, I think we're done with this interview. And then he hung up. Yeah, yeah. And he yeah. was like, okay, so that's a WHO executive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That basically tells you everything you need to know. Right, Right know. there, in that one 30-second clip. I know. But well, that's, that's the point that I was trying to make, that you're talking, you say it goes deeper and everything. We're, we're, why are we all making like politics out of this situation why don't we everybody says yes we fucked up we did what we thought with the information we had uh the president acted quickly on one end maybe not so much on another end maybe he was following advice from the who which wasn't that good the cdc also didn't actually come to terms with the whole thing right and that's the thing until too, later and then is the is the president micromanaging everything I mean, I don't see any CEO in any company. Of course, the CEO is the ultimate responsible person for everything in the company, but you have a lot of people that you rely on to inform you. And if you have the CDC that says, well, no, masks are needed, no, not needed, not yeah, necessary, and this and that, thing. that's a whole other thing, uh, or it's not so important, uh, well, just... I mean, we were playing NBA games up until before. There was NBA All-Star games and all that stuff. Nobody discussed anything. That was There was a Super Bowl first weekend of February. Nothing. That's the massive uh, fluence of people in a, in a single location. The week after was the Ulster game, I believe, with the NBA. Nothing happens. I think it's like until later on, when all of a sudden we went from, oh, it doesn't matter to, oh, shoot, we, we really care about this, you know? So, yeah, like I said, it's, <laughs> it's not a left-right thing because both sides fucked up. There's nobody that did a good job, obviously, because if they did a good job, we wouldn't be in the situation we're in. It's that, and I'm talking globally because, okay, maybe Trump is Republican in our country and he did a shitty job, but go look at the people who like, look at France, look at uh, Germany, look at lots of countries in Europe who have very left leaders, okay, who would be looked in the same light as like a Bernie Sanders here as far as how left they are. Uh, and they did horribly too. It's not a left right thing. That's my whole point. And really, if anybody thinks that if a, uh, democratic leader. Let's say Joe Biden happened to say oh, this happens fuck. a year later and Joe Biden's the president. <laughs> like you think Joe Biden is doing a better job? No, no. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's not a left right thing. Trump did terribly, but 
it's not a left-right thing. It's an institutional problem. Joe Biden. And the fact that now the presidency is going to come from... down to Trump or Biden right. is a fucking disgrace. I know. I, I feel actually that's a whole different discussion, but we can get into that now. I mean, I, I feel bad for the I, Democrats, to be honest. because I know. I don't understand it because... Because, I mean, Biden, with all due respect to the dude, I, I mean... Again, I'm not a Trump, Trump favor or not or whatever. I lean more to the right, but obviously I, I vote for the person more than the party, and I consider myself more independent than than a Republican or whatever. But I mean, when the alternative to Trump is Biden, I don't know who in their mind will vote for a president or or for a person that doesn't even look like he has his mind in great shape to be honest and no I, 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 that's what i'm I, saying i'm i mean biden vice president biden when he's being in the political debates i mean you could be a bad debater like like bloomberg was not a great debater but you can see the guy is very smart he's proven he's he just basically doesn't act or debate very well on tv where he's asked questions he you know he's not a great debater but he's a sharp guy biden shows signs of you know the thing that's uh, remarkable. <laughs> I forget where I heard this. I heard this the other day that before this was before Bernie dropped out. But it says, okay, no matter who wins, whether it's Trump, Bernie, or Biden, uh, whoever wins will be the oldest president we've ever had. Mm -hmm. It's like, why are we? What is going on? What? And I'm not saying that old people cannot be president. I don't actually have a problem. I, I I think there actually is quite a bit of ageism that goes around these days. I don't have a problem with someone being older being president. Obviously, when you get older, you also, maybe you're not as uh, up to date culturally, so to speak, but you are much more wise than someone in their 30s on average, right? But this idea that we're gonna have 80 year olds running the country. I, I actually question, yeah. Senile. Or, I question I mean, Biden's ability to make decisions. I mean, he forgets his lines when he's talking. I know. He has senile moments where he has like dementia or something where he slurs his words, he forgets what he's saying, and then he, 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 he it's like he has a black hole all of a sudden that he doesn't make sense. And that's on a debate. And, and, and the other thing that is kind of, um, fishy for me is the fact that President Obama to date has never endorsed Vice President Biden. Yeah, isn't, that, isn't that some, some strange thing? I mean, yeah, uh, for I, think a, for a, very, if, I think Obama's in a very uh, like, well, like I, mean, I don't want to get involved. I have my legacy, my legacy is my legacy, yes. and it people love me right now because they hate Trump so much that people love okay, Obama. Okay, but President, uh, Vice President Biden was Obama's no, right I'm not. Person. I'm not disagreeing with I was you. the next president I'm if not something should have happened to Obama. I also think it's true that vice presidents are like the most, almost always, except in rare cases, like maybe like Dick Cheney, most vice presidents do nothing, yeah. basically. And, unless they are, yeah, but at the same time, their first line in command is something happens to the president. Yeah. So they are do nothing until they have to. But either way, Joe Biden has been like Obama's right-hand person, vice president for like obviously two terms, eight years plus 
elections and all that I stuff. I think he probably will now. Well, but now that he's it, the I only mean, one left. He's, uh, yeah, there's only one left, of course. I mean, but even now, even when basically it was him and Sanders, and everybody said, okay, well, we're waiting for everybody that dropped out was basically saying, okay, I'm, I'm giving my support to Biden or giving my support to Sanders or whatever. And Obama, vice president, I mean, former president, he doesn't even say anything for Biden, who's his former no, vice president for like eight years. And, and it's like, why? Because Obama doesn't want to, like, everybody adores Obama and all that stuff. And, and then why he wouldn't just say, of course I endorse uh, Joe Biden. He was my vice president. I trusted him for like 10 years of my life, including my eight years as president. Why wouldn't I trust him to be the next best president for the U.S.? He's been all quiet, you know? And I think the Democratic Party is now in a situation where, of course, they didn't want Sanders. He's a socialist, and they were trying, they were panicking with that situation. And now he resigned, or he basically he withdrew, even though he hasn't given up his delegates. That's a very strange thing that I've never seen happen. He's keeping his delegates, by the way, which is very strange. Um, so, but anyways, now he's, Biden is basically the, uh, incumbent nominee de facto for winner, the de facto nominee for the Democratic uh, Party and, and Obama has even said a peep saying oh I'm so happy something like I'm so happy Biden is going to be nominee nothing like it's like mm, I don't want to put effort or, or my endorsement on a person that I don't really trust so yeah. I mean nothing against the person I mean Biden has gone through a lot of struggles in his life and personal challenges you know but hey I don't think he's Fit, he's fit to be the next president of the United States, a person that has so much power that can push a button, do this, do that, and and uh, you know you need to be uh, in a in a little better mental shape, I think, than what he. Is. So a I don't little? know, huh? A little. Well, I'm trying to be uh, nice and diplomatic, but I I think actually I don't know what Trump is gonna, um, you know, Trump's economy and all that stuff. That it should be really easy to beat Trump because of all of this that's happened. I, and now Trump is gonna eat him for lunch in every. No, debate. I know. I just don't think Biden stands a chance. Like this, it, it would be if you had a solid candidate. I think it would be really easy to beat Trump because all you have to do is say, "Hey, look at how badly you fucked up this," and that's it, and it's done. Like, there's no reason why Trump should be reelected if there was a good candidate. But there's I not. think I think Biden's solution is that if he picks a female, he said he was gonna pick a female. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Running mate, maybe <clears throat> Gobuchar, maybe somebody, and then maybe gets all the female votes or all the um, ethnic votes or something. But <clears throat> other than that, I mean, it's just. Uh, but even if he wins, just because the popular votes or whatever goes to him, it's like, oh my God, help us, because that guy is like. Anyways, that's a different thing. But um, um, but but to to kind of finish off what I was saying is, you know, I don't, I'm not a political person. I really don't like <clears throat> talking politics with people because there's no, there's no convincing people. It's right, like, right. No, it's I've just... never had an argument with someone about politics where at the end of it, either I or they said, you know what? You're right. I'm going to change my political views. That is never, never happened. Okay. Uh, and so that's why I don't like talking politics very much, but that's why I wanted to say, my biggest problem with politics is that I think this gets into a, a much bigger topic, but I think that the Republicans and the Democrats, it's like they hate each other, but at the same time, they love each other because they know. Well, I wouldn't say they love. I think they need each other. More yes, than they need each other because <clears throat> they know that, okay, 
we uh, maybe we don't like each other on a day-to-day basis but in the big picture as so long as we maintain our duopoly so long as that people always think in the United States that you are either one or the other, then we maintain power. So maybe for a four or eight year period, whatever, the other parties, people are in power, run the country for a few years, but then we'll get it back. It cycles all the time, yeah, right. but it's always left or right. But things are not always left or right. And so I don't look at things through a left or right angle. Okay, I try to look at things in a more complete view and i'm not trying to sound like uh intellectual here or anything like that i'm just trying to say things are not binary I'm basically just, no they're not and they treat everything as binary. but they also treat people the audience us like we're dummies that we cannot interpret or understand that when i'm watching this news or those or this channel or this other channel that they're telling me their interpretation of the story and the way they they want to steer me in that direction you know, so I, I'm smart enough to see Trump in a press conference. I know that he's half of it explaining what is really taking place. Half of it, he's using the press conference to do like a campaign speech too. Right, of, of course. I understand that. Okay, he's a president. He's, he, we're in election year. We're going to have elections in, what, six, seven months from now? Less, uh, five, whatever. But I understand but I don't need the the, the uh, media to tell me, oh, Trump is using this press conference to, uh, you know, expose his political agenda, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, every president will do that. Obama was giving speeches all the time, and every speech opening this museum or whatever, he'll just throw something else, you know? Like, okay, a very simple heuristic for me, if I want to judge someone's uh, ability to think rationally instead of always emotionally and let their biases kind of overwhelm them is I will just simply ask them in the basic, depending on what party they are. Okay. Tell if they're a Democrat, I'll say, okay, tell me something Trump has done that you agree with. Or if they're a Dem or if they're a Republican, I'll say, tell me something Obama did that you thought was a good thing because I can go, I'm very, uh, I can be very unbiased and say, okay, there's, these are the things that I think Trump has done that he totally fucked up and blundered. And then these are the things I did right. Like, I'll get, like coronavirus, he's done a fucking horrible, horrible job. And I was saying it for over a month before. Okay, a thing that I thought he was doing a great job of, the, the probably the biggest thing that he's done a good job of was China, mm -hmm. cracking down on China. Right. In, the, in the opposite where Obama, I thought, was always way too soft on China. Right. Trump was rightly strong All of a sudden, that trade agreement with China, that he was hardcore negotiating with them and being a hard ass as far as negotiator. And I think All of a sudden, it's everyone, good because now we realize how much we depend right. on China. I think everyone's the opening their eyes to how negative of uh, influence China is on the world. Mm -hmm. And so that's something I think he did good, right? So I can clearly be, okay, this is something he did right. This is something where I strongly disagree, right? And then same thing with any politician or anybody, right? It's like, I can tell you, I don't have to hate the person. I can just say, these are things I agree with them on. These are uh, Bernie Sanders. I'm not socialist at all. I disagree with Bernie on almost everything. But on the topics of lobbying and corporate interference in Congress, I completely agree. Right. I think that lobbying should be, I think that there is tons of corruption in Congress. I think that there's tons of corruption in lawmaking and that lobbyists need to be shut down and that corporations need to have much less influence over lawmaking. Totally agree. I completely disagree on his other agenda, but I can say that, oh, I agree. And so when people cannot say that, oh, there's nothing I agree with Trump on, 
okay, maybe I highly doubt that's true because then you're probably just so biased that you think, or in the same way, if you say, if you're a Republican, you say, I don't think Obama's done anything right, did anything right at all. Like, there's nuance, not everything. I, I think one thing that we know about uh, President Trump or Donald Trump is that uh, he is not shy about pivoting when something is working or not working, making changes. Of course, his administration has had like a turn of people back and forth because he selects somebody to be the press secretary and doesn't work out, gone. Or selects somebody to do something else and doesn't work out, gone. Or, you know, I mean, he, you know, like now he's having this riff with the, uh, the WHO about the funding because he says, hey, where are your biggest funding? We fund... 10 times more than China, yet you're always fair with China, defending China when basically it doesn't f uh, benefit the rest of the world. And he pointed that out bluntly. And then the WHO said, well, be careful, this is not the right time. He's like, what the fuck, this is never the right time. But yeah, this is the right time because you guys were saying to the rest of the world, hey, don't ban China, it's fine, everything is good. And then, you know, look what happened. You know, China gives like $40 million a year to the WHO, the US gives $400 million a year. Okay, that's a big difference. Okay, and we are a third of the population of China. So things like that, China, I mean, uh, Trump is very, very specific. Uh, he says, don't fuck with us. Okay? Same thing he said to the NATO countries before in Europe, our allies. They were saying, hey, we're putting all this money. You're supposed to put a certain percentage of your GDP. Of course, you're not going to put the same amount of money as the U.S. We're a wealthier country. But we all put the same percentage of our GDP. So if you, Germany, are putting 2%, you put 2%. Don't put 0.5%. Spain, Italy, France, all these countries. Don't count on us to always be the ones just making up your difference. You know? So he went to them and said, either you are in or out. You know? So... He's very straight shooter, and that's the way he is, and some, some people don't like that. Uh, the previous administration with Obama will say, well, we're going to have to sit down at the table and negotiate and see the situation. Fuck it, we've been taking advantage of forever. I agree with that, you know? So, anyways, I, I think um, back to the, uh, or continuing with the uh, coronavirus, I, I, I mean, I feel optimistic. I mean, I think uh, we're closer. Uh, I, obviously, we're looking at this every, every day, every week, and... Uh, I think we're very close to um, we're closer to the end than um, well, basically. Yeah, of course we're closer to the end. But no, but I, I want to explain. Uh, right, you obviously. Think we're past the halfway point. I don't think we're past the halfway okay. point. So I was say, we're no, that will be later this month. You think this month? Later, yeah, I definitely think that by. From the what I'm, I'm not going by Trump. I'm going by the doctors and researchers based on, uh, uh, as a country. Obviously, New York is in very bad shape. And so you think Louisiana. that we're what four or five weeks into quarantine? You think that we're maybe another five weeks away from being out of it? Uh, it's not going to be like off Sunday up in the the gates and day where it goes out. But I think we're about two to three weeks away. I think by beginning of May or mid-May at the latest, we will start seeing some relaxation of the rules where there's going to be more testing available. There's going to be more of saying, okay, if you are either recovered or negative when you do your test, if it's a rapid test or something, we'll start opening some restaurants in a limited capacity. We'll start allowing people to go out in a limited capacity. And I think you will see, uh, maybe even state by state, some relaxation of the rules allowing people to 
businesses especially to get a little back to normal we cannot have an economy that is shut down for like month or week after week after week as you and i know very well because we're deal with clients that are basically in very bad shape now and the government stimulus program that is now another thing increased um is only going to last for like it's supposed to be like two months two and a half months to make up for the shutdown and it's not even that much of a makeup because obviously it's huge but uh um, I think it gets to a point where the remedy or the disease is, is uh, the remedy is actually worse than the disease itself or, or the problem itself. And you say, okay, well, now we keep, uh, we're going to go into a situation where the economy is tanking so much that people are going to have so many other problems that they're going to say, fuck coronavirus. I'd rather just get over that and then move on with my life, you know? So... There's psychological issues too that you hear experts and they say this cannot last forever. I'm not saying that there's not going to be psychological issues of being shut down for another two months, but I just think we will be. I mean, well, but I I, I don't think like talking about back normal and all like stuff. I think that we won't be open in May. I think the earliest would be June. I I don't think I think certain sections or parts of the economy will probably start opening by mid May or so, like certain things. Um, even, even I hope if you're right, but I, I don't think so. Even if it's sports, even if you see some sports that sports are able to is do different, yeah, but that's but a big not sign. with attendees. No, exactly, closed doors, exactly. But yeah, even, but that's different. That I don't give a fuck about sports with closed well, doors. That's, as that's far a, as that's as, a big psychological factor. Okay, because, psychological. But I'm saying, as far as people being able to go to a restaurant, I think we're still well, two months at least away from that. Well, if if we have rules, and this is also basically discussed in many, not just in the US, but in European countries, the, 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 what they call now the health passport. It's the, it's the same thing that we discussed, I think, last week. But some type of health passport, ID, wristband, whatever, where they say, okay, either you overcame and you recovered, which means that you have immunity, or... Um, you are negative, basically. You have a quick test and you are negative and, and you are basically healthy. So there will be a condition where maybe maybe they tell the restaurant owners, you can open your restaurant, but you need to open at 40% capacity, for example. You cannot, I mean, and they have that. I mean, I go, right, but for example, I go I go to Home Depot locally, okay? But, but and Home Depot, just an example, Home Depot is still open. It's, it's considered one of those um, needed businesses to continue, whatever. But they have, they have basically very strict too, you know. conditions. Yeah, we are open too. Media. We're media. Uh, podcasting is considered essential. I don't yeah. know if you saw that. Or, or we are of, very essential workers. But, but seriously, I mean, Home Depot, for example, has now one entrance instead of just going through every door or whatever. No, I, I know. And they but, say limited number of people coming in at a time. Okay. And then I know separation and all not, that stuff. Not, I know what you're saying about limited so, people. What so I'm saying is, why don't we replicate that to other businesses? Okay. What I'm saying is that maybe that works for Home Depot and maybe that works for like, I know Costco was doing something similar as far as uh, only letting a certain amount of people in at a time. Uh, that doesn't work for a restaurant. It depends. A restaurant cannot be 40% capacity. Just well, they don't make no, money. but that's when you give the owner the choice saying, okay, well, a 40% capacity, you're probably not going to make money. Or maybe you only have half of the staff because obviously you have half of the clients. Uh, maybe you can decrease the amount of menu options and say, okay, instead of having everything that I used to offer, which is expensive in case the food is not eaten or whatever, we're only offering a limited menu. You can have other options, or but at about- least you leave it on them. You say... You can open your restaurant if you are at 40, 50% capacity and no more than that at any time of the day or limited hours. 
you choose. And the owner will say, fuck, it's not worth it for me. Or maybe saying, yeah, heck yeah. I mean, I'm doing now curbside serving or delivery, which basically means people order and I have a chef that is cooking something just to give it to a person curbside. A lot of restaurants are doing that just to stay alive. Yeah, I know. But I'm telling you right now that 50% capacity, even, I mean, even 70% probably doesn't cut it. That's the thing. Well, but let the owner decide. I'm not, that's fine. You can let the owner decide. But I mean, if you want to take a hundred percent hit versus I'm, a 70%. I'm not saying don't let the owner decide. I'm saying, yeah, if in two months from now we can do that, that's great. But I'm saying that I don't think it'll make a difference because they can't afford it. Like restaurants don't have the margin and restaurants are just one bit. Okay. What about like uh, movie theaters? Okay. So you can only have, if you have a 200 person auditorium, you can only have 50 people or something. Maybe. And then you, I mean, press conferences they have now, you look at the press conference with Trump and all that stuff, everybody's, they're supposed to be in confinement too, or separation. They have all these rows of chairs, like a movie theater with all the journalists, and they are all like six feet from each other. There's like a chair, three empty, But then there's guy, also another. the thing of, just because you open it doesn't mean people are going to go. You think people are really going to be like racing back to the movie theater? I don't know. I definitely wouldn't. I, think people, I love movies. I, I think, love going to the movie theater, but I, I'm not well, going back to a movie theater in the next six months. I'll tell you that right now. I don't know. Maybe, for example, uh, um, sports arena. Okay. Yeah, I don't think people are going back to arenas. Well, I don't know. Maybe they say. Soon. Maybe they say. Okay, for the home games, only people in these sections or these rows can come in, and we alternate. So you're a season ticket holder. They say, okay, you are in row twenty, seat twenty-five. You can come in at this game, and then the other guy next to you is going to be on seat twenty-nine, like four seats apart. And then the following game is the opposite. So you kind of shift your audience so not everybody comes to the same game. I don't know. This, this, you can be creative and start opening things little by little and, and then allow people to go. They can have closed-door games course, for the beginning. Of course, you, know? you can do that. But I'm saying that, uh, okay, even if that's what it ends up being, that's going to have major impacts on the economy well because it that will. means we're still far away from f- it recovery. will but once you start opening things little by little people will see light at the end of the tunnel you know it's not like like the other day i was listening to this professor of uh, new york university and he was saying i he said i have a hard time thinking that by september i'm gonna be able to give a lecture to in a classroom with 170 students i said yeah that kind of sounds like a, unreal now you know it's september but I don't think it's going to be an auditorium where you're giving a lecture to 170 students in some university in New York. That's going to be tough. Now, maybe they say only 50 students can attend in person and then the rest of them could be online. I don't know. You know but as you know, a lot of um, businesses in general are trying to work out deals. They're doing the same thing. They did the same thing during the beginning of the pandemic when they said, we're going to split our company into different modules and each department into two or three different modules where one of them is at the office, the other one is working from home. So we have this um, uh, backup plan. You know, people that come to the office keep the distance and all that stuff. People that are at home are working from home. And then if somebody here, something happens, okay, we're going to quarantine these people again because they got infected for some reason again. But then we have these people that are still able to continue working because they are part of the same team, but just working from separate locations. So you have that kind of redundancy plan in place to, to keep people going, but you start gilding, getting people back into the economy, back into the swing of things. So I don't know. I mean, it's all, it's all different planning. Every business is being very creative. As you know, the NBA was even talking about 
um, starting the league in, in, in a single city. Well, and, they approved yesterday a horse well, tournament. Yeah, well, that's kind of a, yeah, that's kind of to keep people with something to watch, you know. But I even heard that maybe they will go to um, a Vegas city. You know, uh-huh. That doesn't look like it's going to happen. Yeah, I know. But that was an idea. It like, looks like they might just use their practice facilities. But I'm not worried about sports. Sports is like, okay, whatever. I'm worried more about the the millions of small businesses. Uh, okay, I mean, that's fine. I'm, I am I think that it's going to be... Well, I mean, at some many, point, you're going to have to yeah, start Yeah, of course, deciding. you're going to have to start reopening. But I just think within the next... If people think it's going to happen by May, I just think that they're in denial. Well, I think I think the, the the critical factor obviously is knowing when. Because um, what if ha- when what the- happens? What if? Because I don't know if you heard this that in this past week in Singapore and South Korea, two countries who, yeah, I heard basically that. shut things down, that they actually started having outbreaks again, and they had to basically they started reopening things and started having outbreaks again, and started had to, having to take more precautions basically, mm-hmm. like taking two steps forward, one step backward type thing, right. And okay, so happen. what happens when we basically start reopening things here and then all of a sudden it starts spreading well, again? But now we're ready. It's going to happen. Now we can control it. Uh, the main thing is that this came so fast that we didn't have testing, masks, uh, anything. We, we were totally unprepared for this. So now... Yeah, I mean, the answer I've seen that I agree with is just mass testing. Right. Basically, just test literally everyone. Right. So uh, I mean, you've you probably if seen you, tests If you are not tested, if you... Basically, if if you don't have proof that you don't have it, you're not allowed to go into my restaurant. Exactly. Basically, and I'm a restaurant owner. I'm saying, show me, like you said, a health exactly. pass. Show me your ID. Yeah. Like getting into a club. Show me your health pass. Yeah, exactly. And it's like it's like I said, I think uh, a couple. And then times there's ago. gonna be a fake health pass. Well, I know, but market. it's like it's like they can have this testing where I mean, it's like the alcohol test. I mean, they do those all the time, like what New Year's, major holidays. But you're on the road, and then. You know, they pull you over, blow here. Okay, you're above the level, pull over, you're not driving anymore. Okay, well, when a test like that is possible, you can go to a place. I mean, there's a test that is almost like a pregnancy test. You, instead of peeing, you prick your finger, do a thing, and the line tells you. It's like a glucose. Huh? Preg- pregnancy. Who pricks well, their finger for pregnancy? No, like I said, pregnancy is peeing. But I'm saying that it's the same thing. You have a line that says pregnant or not pregnant or whatever but it's basically ah, a little okay. strip or stuff it's the same thing and then it tells you right there i mean i've you probably seen on twitter where they have this test and it's kind of like a copy of the malaria test or something but it's basically the the only thing is that they need to look at the accuracy of the test because you can have a lot of false positives and false negatives too but there's ratings as far as 95 percent and but anyways they have these tests and then you do them and then you say okay i'm good and you can do that in basically in five ten minutes it gives you the results you know, so once more tests becomes available, it, you know, people will start feeling more confident. I personally don't feel confident going anywhere. Uh, even if I have like a little sniffle or something, it's like, oh, shoot, now you start panicking, thinking I may have it or something. And then it'll be nice to have a thing at home and you say, oh, no, I'm fine. You know, it's nothing. And then all of a sudden you feel much better, you know. So when more tests is available and more people start getting used to this new lifestyle where you're testing yourself just like you test hey can i drive no uh should i had too many drinks i'm gonna have to wait or get a designated driver or get an uber or something you know i think that would make people go back to to the economy to keep moving you know it's gonna be exactly as before probably not not for a while for sure but it'll get going it'll get people more hope and then people are start organizing to work at home what you cannot have is people that are like let 60 million unemployed people i mean that's not the u.s those unemployed people, I said, what do I do? The government, we become a socialist country. The government is just paying us 
you know, to stay home. You know, how we're entitled now to just get money for nothing. Yeah, well, I mean, speaking of just giving away money, uh, we've had this on the screen the whole time. I we know, have not I know. talked about it. I know. Uh, for those listening, we're talking about the, uh, as of this morning, we're recording this on uh, Thursday. Um, so go up on Friday. Um, the Fed released their new stimulus package, another two point three. Tr- 2.3 trillion. We're talking just, trillions. Like just it's pulling nothing. out of their ass. Here you go. You need a trillion. It's like Oprah. You get a trillion. You get a trillion. You get a trillion. Everybody gets a trillion, baby. It's no problem. It's funny because we talk trillions now. You know the difference? I mean, oh obviously God. you do. But you know how much is the jump this from is a, a billion to this, a trillion? This is what I that people don't understand. Like, like, okay, so to be a billionaire, right? To, like people think of someone as rich is oh once you're a millionaire you're rich well, not anymore well but. not anymore maybe but still a million dollars is still considered a lot of money well a billion is a thousand million and a trillion is a thousand billion a million million it's a million million <laughs> to get a trillion dollars i think i think that you need a million dollars a million Can you imagine times. the treasury printing machines? They must be working like overtime. Yeah. Those guys are definitely not in quarantine. They yeah. must be like... <laughs> so, <laughs> printing um, money. basically, what's so... What I, why I said I was cynical at the beginning of this episode. I didn't wake up cynical, okay? I'm a pretty positive, optimistic guy, all right? I'm normally in a good mood. Uh, I know it doesn't always seem that way, but you know, the podcast, it's for entertainment. You gotta, you gotta get riled up. You know, I'm like the Stephen A of the, uh, marketing world. Uh, oh, man. but anyways, uh, it's blasphemy as he would say. No, I mean, this is crazy. I don't know if you read all the details of this or if Not anyone's yet. read the Not details yet. of I, this. I, uh, I had enough with the, uh, but news. When the first thing I read was the fed is going to start buying junk bonds. That means, so for those who don't know how credit ratings work with bonds, okay, so you have like Standard and Poor's and Moody's and these credit rating agencies, and basically they assess bonds and they give so them. It's almost like a classroom rating A, B, C, D. Right, something. they basically give them ratings based on, it's, it's mostly based on what are the odds that this bond is going to get paid back, okay? What is the financial health? So the bonds, if it's a corporate bond, how, how healthy is this company financially that's issuing this bond and how likely are they to pay it back? So yeah. if you're an Apple, you get like a double A, triple A rating normally, right? You're, you have tons of cash in the bank. The odds of you not paying back your bonds are super low. So it goes from triple A, double A, A, then triple B, double B, B. Okay, and so those are the ratings. Below B, which is basically the like the sixth lowest level, six levels below AAA, is considered not investment grade. That's literally what they call it. They just say this is not considered investment grade, so they classify it as junk bonds. Um, and so the Fed is going to buy what's considered non-investment grade but junk bonds. they have bonds. great reward. You know, they, they, they re- yes, the rate of return is much higher. They're too. buying so maybe high yield junk bonds. We're talking 10, 12% bonds. That's fucking crazy. That's never happened before. You thought TARP was crazy? This makes TARP look like <laughs> what a What I like in this headline is just, the, Fed, the Fed plan would inject another 2.3 trillion like inject how do you inject where do you get this money from i know i know that's the, the thing, thing that no one's talking about and i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna let it fly for another few weeks because this is not 
I agree. What we should be necessarily concerned about right now, because there are more pressing issues, but nobody is talking about inflation. Nobody. The U.S. government, in a span of two months, is going to spend five trillion dollars. You know, you know the, the irony of this thing is that usually at the end of the year we have this. Uh, government lockdowns where the government shuts down because they don't approve the the, uh, the uh, government budget saying like okay we're going to approve this budget for next year like 1.5 trillion this and that that's for the country from the country's economy the annual budget and now they just pull like 2.3 trillion so people understand in two months we are spending more than the annual budget for everything for everything okay yeah. the annual u.s budget is over four trillion dollars. It's in, I forget exactly it changes, but it's four point something trillion. And not to mention our debt now is up to like 20, oh, 20, 24 trillion. It hit the other day. It'll be twenty six tomorrow. Twenty seven. Who cares? It's whatever. It's funny money. It doesn't matter. But the, we're telling consumers to be very conscious with their money. But it, I, it, no, no, it's, it's crazy. But um, why are they? Here's well, the he, thing. He's Here's trying the to, thing. well, he says that inject money into the economy and he's yeah, saying, okay, I'm running out of things that are, say, I, I say, I'm running out of legit things to buy, so I need not, to buy junk bonds. Can I say this? He's a fucking liar. And I want that in quotes, big capital letters. Jay Powell is a fucking liar. He's not a liar. He's a fucking liar. Because if you want to inject money in the economy, there's a million better ways to do that than buying corporate junk bonds. What are we doing? For the first time, I prefer that nobody watches this podcast because if the Fed comes here... <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. Okay? No, this I is just... why I own gold. This is why I own Bitcoin. Because of this fucking reason. Okay? Yeah. Because the Fed has lost its goddamn You don't own mind. any junk bonds? No, I don't own junk <laughs> bonds. Okay? I wish I did. They'd be worth a lot more now because I've got a buyer. Maybe indirectly I've got a do. buyer with $2.2 to spend. Yeah, right. Okay? No, it's absolutely insane. And that's one thing they're buying. They're, they're also buying muni bonds. They're buying municipality bonds. So now the federal government is going to start buying city and state bonds from city and state well, governments. Some of them, some of the they're going to start buying mortgage-backed securities. Some of the munis are Tax, tax accept. So at least the government is not paying taxes on the I, bonds that they buy. I don't. I don't. <laughs> this is a whole other rant. This is a whole. Other th I, I could go on. I could have a three-hour solo monologue about the Fed day. and Bretton Woods and the gold standard and all of these things. Uh, and it's too much. The reason why I should. I could go on why we shouldn't even had a Fed or if we have a Fed that there should be incredibly strict restrictions on what they are and are not allowed to do. Specifically, the first thing I would put in is say the Fed is not under any circumstances ever allowed to buy fucking junk bonds. Because why, why are we buying junk bonds? Okay, if you wanna put Because there's nothing else to buy. There is, there is what else to buy. You can give money to the people. Well, I know. You can give money to small businesses. There, this is corporate, <clears throat> Uh, yeah, corruption. I know. That's what this is. I mean, that's what they were They're saying with the. Uh, junk they, bonds. they said They're going to companies who are saying we're not going to be able to pay our debts because we were financially irresponsible, and the government's going to buy it, the debt so that we have longer time, a longer time period to pay it back, or maybe they'll even just forgive it. I swear to God, if the Fed forgives some of the debt from these junk bonds, I. No, but not only that, I'm with all this money that they've, they've injected all this money to the economy, like it says, they're injecting and buying all this mortgage, they could have given each American citizen $100,000. 
and say, okay, this is how much well, money. Well, not hundred thousand. Well, uh, I actually did the math. They, if they wanted to give, if you split two point three trillion. No, not this two point three. Add the other two point three, two point two that were before with the well, previous stimulus. Well, just with this, if you did two point three trillion divided by the hundred eighty million working Americans, it's thirteen thousand dollars. Yes, right. So you could have given every American thirteen thousand dollars. Right, American, 13, and add up the previous stimulus. Right. That's but, another two point two trillion. So that's what I'm saying. That when you add up everything between. The, the stimulus that they gave, the, the $1,200 per, per person, per family, um, and 500 per kid, whatever, and then the small business incentive, the paycheck protection plan, the, this thing right now, you, every American could have had like $50,000. No, not 50. Okay, you tell me. But yeah, like 30, 15, 20, yeah. And that would that. make a huge difference. This, this but alone is... Here's my point. It doesn't always... I do think if you're going to give away 2.3 trillion and none of it is going to just people, I think that's kind of insane. Yeah, I do. But if they said, okay, we're going to give another whatever, instead of basically, because 2.3 trillion basically would give 180 million Americans uh, $12,700, I think was the number exactly, if you, you could throw it in a calculator. Um, but if they said, okay, we're not going to give all of that, but we're going to give everyone another, in addition to whatever we already promised, we're going to add another three grand on top of that, okay? And then the rest of that money is going to go, and we're going to start buying basically even more to small businesses, even more. If they, like, why junk bonds? What are we doing here? Well, I know, I know. Well, let, 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 let's kind of start wrapping it up because <laughs> I think uh, we're getting I mean this we've is been talking so, for over an hour but it's um, so blatantly like we don't care anymore so let me ask we're, you just, we're so corrupt and we're <clears throat> so powerful and there's nothing you can do about it and we don't care anymore so so prediction time what can people do uh, buy gold and buy bitcoin because goddamn, I don't trust any currency right now the only thing that the U.S. has going for it, and I'll say this, and this is this is the f kind of fucked up thing, truly, that even though the U.S., it, the Fed can do all these things, the Treasury can print money like it's free, uh, that for them it it's is. It's free for them. Uh, because uh, we can spend ungodly amounts of money on ungodly things that we never need. It doesn't, it might not matter. Because at the end of the day, the U.S. is still the number one economy, and there's no other currency that comes even close. Because the euro well, will be destroyed within the next five years. The Chinese yuan, the the renminbi, is completely fucking worthless. Who's well, putting their money the in renminbi? We, we, we criticize the Chinese for the manipulating their currency. The pound is done. I mean, there's no there's no currency that can be trusted, and because of that, the de facto trusted currency becomes the most powerful economy, which is the U.S. And so we're going to have tons of capital flight coming to us. And so it's going to be like a, like a last man standing type thing where it's not that the U.S. is going to get through this better than most countries because we've policy-wise been better than most countries. We're going to get through it better than most countries just because we are the more powerful and richer country, basically. It's only that. All right, let me ask you one final question, uh, David. I think we've probably need to wrap it up soon but um next week at this time a week from today uh by the way happy easter everybody this sunday is easter sunday we're gonna be all confined but uh, still it's a good time to celebrate hopefully you're confined with your family so maybe you just need more time apart from your family that's a whole thing but uh, <laughs> anyways um next week at this time um what do you think will be different as far as the situation are we 
starting to see a little more um oh and i didn't light. get i didn't get into the markets right but let's just kind of leave something for next week but uh i didn't i i'm not giving financial <coughs> advice but i can't believe the markets are the, still i know going i up. know the market is already up today i'm gonna another. start i'm gonna start buying puts i mean i'm not kidding I, this is not financial advice don't listen to me but i'm gonna start buying fucking deep out of the money puts on s p because this i've is been investing crazy. just because i'm playing with the I, market. I was waiting for the s p to dip below 2000 what is it at 27 something almost 2800 by now unbelievable yeah i told you the bottom i called the bottom and i started buying uh, you things. didn't call the bottom well the bottom is coming baby it okay. is gonna be bad well it's gonna have to come down. i'm it's, buying we're almost now i'm buying deep out of the if money you puts. go year over year not year to date year over year we're almost even okay oh, i know it's insane yeah that's what i'm saying so it's year over insane. year like last year in They've april lost their goddamn minds last year in april we were about the same as we are today yeah, so we recovered from the bottom that was down 30% until now. We've already recovered like 15 yeah, I know. or something like that. I know. So we're now, obviously, we're not at the time of where we were at the beginning of the year, the year to date, but we are year over year, basically. Last year at this time, we're about the same. Now, is that foolish? I'm sure it is, but a lot of people are making a lot of money in this market, I'll tell you what, because... It's a little predictable, and you have a. It's big not predictable. No, but you Don't have. Don't say that. It's not predictable. Well, at all. no. It's well. It's it, it's been for a while. If I, mean, I would have told you that three weeks ago when we dropped thirty percent, no, that no, we no, would no, be no, Almost no. back to even. No, I'm saying in that two since, weeks you would no, have called me insane. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that since the um, pullback correction happened, we've had fairly predictable upswings of thirteen hundred. You know, nine percent down, eight percent. I mean, you can see the the curve is is right here actually, where it gets into a pattern where people get all enthusiastic. The market goes up nine percent, and then people say, "Oh fuck, I went too much." They're gonna start selling. It goes down another ten percent, and even Mark Cuban was saying, "I'm buying all the dips and selling all the all the tops, or basically just taking advantage of that." I bought a couple of dips already. You wanna play that game of trying of to? Course. Predict the market? Time and predict day-to-day -day volatility. I, don't, I never do that. You can go for it. I, I personally am not doing that. I'm never... Uh, what I'm, I'm going to do is basically say things are... This is crazy. What's happening? Just but, in the well, same way... There's certain companies that you know. There's certain but companies... But just in the same way that in February, we had a conversation on this podcast when the coronavirus cases were exploding and the market was at all-time highs. And we said, this is insane. At that time... I did not short because I said I don't know what's going well, on. Well, but I've learned my lesson. But I'm, we thought, I'm but at that point, at that point, also we thought that the market will continue to increase based on election year and Trump and all that stuff. So, obviously, the pandemic threw everything out the window. But even within the pandemic, when you start looking at the patterns, you can see that investors are trying to get back in, but they don't, they're afraid to call the bottom. Or, or, you know, you can always say, oh, we haven't seen the bottom yet, or maybe we have seen it. I don't know. Nobody knows that. You have the highest unemployment in 100 years. How is the yes, market going Yes, I know. Up? But because of that, that's what the, the Fed is doing. Yeah, but that... The, 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 the market went up today because of this. That? I was looking at the futures, and they were flat or even negative I, until this happened this morning. I understand. And all of a sudden, I understand. So... But that is a... Fugazi, as yeah, we like to call I know, it. I know. It's a wazzy, it's a woozy, it's fairy dust, okay? <laughs> I love it. All right, we'll leave it there. If you got right. that reference. Uh, yeah, that's one of my favorite quotes, too. All right, David, thanks for... Um, where, where will things be next week? Joining me. I don't know. I don't like to predict things. Uh, I'll make one prediction, okay? And that's that 
the market, the S&P is still going below 2,000. That's my only prediction. Okay. Will it happen um, next week? Uh, no, As far as confinement, it will be just the same Everything way as Everything will be the same, week. and then the week after that, and the week after that, probably till the end of time, because people are crazy. And they say, you know what we should do in the face of a pandemic? Forget trying to solve the issue of the virus. Let's just buy junk bonds. That's how we cure the virus. Okay. All right. We'll leave it there. Thanks for your uh, sarcastic uh, ending. And uh, for all of you, we, I, um, have uh, a I was going to pitch a, a new segment for the show. I don't even think it's necessary, but like maybe you? a little five minutes and it's just called David Gill is pissed off. And I just rant for five minutes. All right, well, but, I'm going to go have lunch and then you can have it on your but own. But I figure <laughs> just we, pretend that I I'm basically here. have that every week right. anyway. So. All right, guys. Happy Easter. Um, I know it's different than every over Easter that we've all celebrated. And Definitely if you celebrate... Uh, unless, unless you are like I don't know, born whatever. in 1917 or 19 when the uh, Spanish flu uh, pandemic happened, um, you probably are celebrating your first Easter under confinement. But anyways, make it very happy for you. And um, thanks for listening. You got all the way to the end of this podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, and uh, we'll see you um, next week. Bye-bye, everybody.